as, um, as we continue worshiping the Lord um, through His Word. If you have a copy of Scriptures, if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to continue in our study that we've been doing through Matthew's Gospel, looking at the kingdom. Um, continuing in this section of the parables. Last week we looked at the parable of the sower, um, looking at these types of soil, this seed that was sown being the word of the kingdom, the types of soils, the types of people, hearts that can receive this, only one of which bringing forth fruit in that. And now we're seeing another agricultural parable um, dealing with similar ideas of of a farmer and sowing seed. But the emphasis of today's parable that we're going to look at is not um, the seed uh, as, or the soil as much as it is the seed. Um, we find ourselves as believers living in a, a world where it seems we are, well, it doesn't seem, where in reality we are constantly finding ourselves in the midst of those who are um, the ones we looked at in our call to worship in Psalm 2. The very ones who are scoffing at God's rule and authority, seeking to throw off His um, chains of iron, as they say. And we find ourselves sitting in the midst of this context where we are seeking to be those of the kingdom, seeking to walk faithful as disciples of Christ, and we find ourselves interspersed and, and integrated in, it seems, with those who are opposed to the kingdom. And in that, we may wonder, is the, are we actually living in the kingdom? Are we actually here? What We may at times begin to grow dis despairing or frustrated with the reality of, and the situation in which we find ourselves where we're intermixed with those who are not of the kingdom and we begin to wonder, is it always going to be this way? Um, what... What hope is there that this will one day be the way it's been promised to be? And Jesus is dealing with that somewhat in this parable this morning with the weeds and the wheat. Looking at the reality that while His kingdom is yes established, um, those who are of the kingdom until the day of judgment will find themselves intermingled among those who are not of the kingdom. Um, and in that it gives us hope and encouragement and also gives us a great warning in the midst of these things. Um, Adam and I were talking. I was sending him an outline, just letting him look over it, and just wrestling through the text. And he, he joked, he said, man, the text preaches itself. And I came back, I was like, it really, it really does. Jesus, we're going to look, Jesus gives the parable, much like the sower, Jesus gives the parable and then tells you what the parable means. Like we're, He doesn't leave it up to us to try to figure out. He tells the disciples and therefore tells us through His Word. Jesus preaches this to us. And so in a very real sense, today's text is, is us just looking at what Jesus has said and what He says it means and looking at how that um, impacts and has implications on how we live and hopefully will encourage us, will, will challenge us, will grow us in sanctification. So let's look together. Um, we're going to read 24 through 30 and then 36 through 
43, then we will also read 47 through 50 um, because those parables are closely knit, but the basis of the sermon is going to be looking solely at the wheat and the weeds, though the parable of the net is teaching the same principle. He being Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemies came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servant of the master's house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time, I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in the bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Verse 36, Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 47, And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good in the containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray that um, today by your spirit you would give us ears to hear. That we would hear and discern and be doers of your word. That you would strengthen those who are yours to continue and to endure trusting and hoping in you who will keep his own. It's in Christ we pray these things. Amen. So here Jesus again is giving another parable of the kingdom. We saw last week Pastor Jimmy looked at the purpose of the parables and he looked at quoting Isaiah. Um, Ultimately Jesus spoke in parables so that those who were not of the kingdom would not understand. Um, That having ears they would not hear and having eyes they would not see. Um, and to reveal to those who are of the kingdom. So we see Jesus continuing that and, and giving another parable of what the kingdom may be compared to. Again, he's, he's not giving detailed instruction. He is giving a general parable of helping us understand certain aspects of the kingdom. And the, the, 
the, the aspect of the kingdom he's pressing into now is the reality that this kingdom, though established, will not see the, the expulsion of those who are not of the kingdom until that day of judgment. Um, again, many of that time would have been expecting the Messiah to come in and, and throw out all adversaries and enemies of Israel. Would have been how they would have been viewing it. But Jesus in this parable is showing that in our time on this earth, though we are in His kingdom, we are not free from the presence of those who are not of this kingdom until that day. So again, Jesus gives this parable. We're going to just walk through the parable and then look at Jesus' explanation of it. And then I want us to look together at really some implications this has for us as the church. So Jesus tells them the parable, there's a man who sows good seed in a field. He sows the seed, but then an enemy comes along and he throws in weed seed among them. And it starts to come up, and here's the, here's the deal with this type of seed. Most of, even if you have an ESV, there's a little footnote, if it has a little number, it says probably Darnell, a wheat-like weed. Most of the commentators would point back to the reality, that's what it would have been pointing to um, if you're familiar with growing wheat or rye or any of those types of things, you're, you're familiar. I remember we would grow wheat and you would see this if all of a sudden the wheat comes up and ours was it would have um, a random barley seed in it of some kind. And so the wheat was here and all of a sudden the, the barley would shoot and you'd see patches of it. They were like this high around. But you didn't know it until that point. When it comes up, it all looks the same. Like we're not talking like a rose bush with the, the dandelion growing beside it where you clearly know. We're talking of a, a, a weed that would have looked like the plant that was supposed to be growing until maturation came. And then you would realize, okay, that's not, that's not the right thing. Right? And so the, the enemy comes in and sows the seed. And whenever it starts to produce the grain, the servants notice this isn't right. They go to the master. Um, hey, didn't you put good seed in the field? I don't think they were accusing the master here. I think they were simply making a statement of, you plant good seed, why is there weed in here? Why, why, are, why are there weeds in the field knowing you planted good seed? The enemy came and did this. And then the servants asked the question, which would seem logical. Okay, so you want us to go pull the weeds out, right? You want us to take all the weeds out of the field and, and not be among the wheat. And, and the master of the field says, no, no. Because if you do that, you're going to rip the, some of the wheat up too. Wait until the harvest. When the harvest comes, then I'll tell the reapers to come. And they'll take the weeds and they'll burn them. And they'll take the wheat and they'll put it in my barn. Right? So we see this picture of a farmer who's had a sabotage endeavor by an enemy to come in and destroy his crop, mixing it with weeds that looked the same and, and hoping to overcome and destroy this wheat yield. And yet the farmer doesn't, somewhat leaves it unaddressed, it seems, until the harvest comes. And he purifies the wheat and burns the weeds. And Jesus gives the explanation. Scripture always interprets Scripture. A lot of times it's harder to do. I, as, as the preacher, I, I really enjoy the times where they tell a story and then they come right out and tell you exactly what they mean. Jesus does that here. He tells us exactly. Because coming out of the parable of the sower, if he left this here, 
Um, I don't know that we would have come to the right conclusion if this is what we would have wanted. We would have tried to make parallels over to the sower and the seed would have been the word and then what would the weeds would have, could have been false teaching. We could have come up with all kinds of things. But Jesus tells us exactly what he means here. The one who sows, the master of the field, this is the son of man. In other words, Jesus is the one sowing the seed here. And the seed is the sons of the kingdom. They're the ones who are of Him. They are the people of God. The enemy, or the weeds, are the sons of the evil one. They're the sons of the devil. And the enemy is the devil. And the harvest here is the end of the age, that day of judgment, the day of Yahweh. And the angels will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. And we'll cast them into the fiery furnace. The lake of fire is just referred to in the book of Revelation. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom. Jesus is giving the parable and in His explanation, He's giving this understanding of this parable of helping the disciples see, I have planted you, children of the kingdom, in this world. In my kingdom, that, that is this, this world, I've planted you. And you're going to grow and you're going to produce yield. As he talked about in the parable of the sower, you'll produce fruit. But Jesus is wanting His disciples to understand here, and He's wanting us to understand here, all of those who are His disciples, while, yes, you are children of the kingdom, and while, yes, I have planted you, and while, yes, I am the good father who will keep you, or the good farmer who will keep His crop until that day and will harvest it rightly. Jesus is wanting His disciples to understand that while we are yet in this world, we will find ourselves intermixed and intertwined with the sons of the evil one, with those with the, the weeds in the midst of the crop, those who are not of the kingdom, those who are not sons of God, and we will find ourselves intermixed with them. And in that, there's one, there is one part of the parable Jesus doesn't explain. There's the part of the parable where Jesus or the enemies come in and, or the, the servants come in and say, do you want us to then go and, and pull the weeds up? And he says, no, leave them. When the, when the time comes, I'll send the reapers to do that. So Jesus is warning his disciples, warning us to understand we're going to live in this world, we're going to be in this world, and we're going to be mixed and intertwined with those who are not of the kingdom. And yet at the same time, we're not to try to um, root up and destroy the weeds until that day comes and He takes care of that. So Jesus is laying this out so His disciples will know and not lose heart. They will know and understand that when the weeds pop up, this isn't a surprise to the master of the kingdom. He's warning His disciples to know and as they find themselves in the midst of the weeds that they didn't misunderstand when Jesus said he, His kingdom was at hand. They didn't mishear Him when He spoke of how they would establish the church and it would grow. He's wanting them to know you're going to have weeds among you. And I'll, 
also notice, it seems by the language in here, um, these weeds were not kind of just random one or two weeds scattered around. It was enough weeds that one, the servant said, do you want us to go pull these out? This can't be good. They wouldn't have gone out for one little weed popped up in the middle of the field. They seemed to be interspersed and numerous enough that the servants were concerned enough to want to go pull them out and concerned and, inter- and, and numerous and intermingled enough that the master of the field said, nope, don't do that yet. Because in doing so, you'll pull up some of the wheat. Right? So Jesus is wanting us to understand and not be caught off guard when we find ourselves in the midst of the weeds and also wanting His disciples to constantly be looking ahead to that day when we will know all of this will be made right and the day will be coming when this will be no more like it is. So Jesus has taught them and, and given us the explanation. He has established His kingdom. He has planted the children of the kingdom in this world. And yet at the same time, there are children of the evil one intermixed among us. There's been, if you read commentaries on this and you read old sermons on this, anywhere from Luther to um, John Flavel to Spurgeon, uh, Ryle, there's, there's debating and differing conclusions as to what the premise of this is. Some will argue this is speaking of the church, of how there are the visible and invisible church, there's true believers, there's false converts intermixed in the church, and the day will come when um, Christ will purify His church and, and remove the weeds from it. And I think there's an implication for that. But Jesus says who the field is. The field is the world. As those who are His, we will find ourselves in the world. And yes, that has implications in the church. Yes, we see all throughout the Scriptures, there's going to be false converts among us. But Jesus here is speaking of the the world and His kingdom being established in the here and now and yet helping us understand that in that, we will be intermingled among with the weeds to use the language here. And as we look through this parable, and we think through this parable and the reality of, of this parable and what Jesus is getting at, that we, we see the reality of it. There's, there's implications to us. Again, Jesus has told us the parable. Jesus has told us what the parable means. I, I can't preach it better than Jesus did. So I'm going to let Jesus say what he said. But let's look at what the implications are and, and how this has impact on us as the church. So the first thing we see is the truth and the reality that Jesus has established His kingdom. And Jesus, when He began His ministry, the first sermon He gave was what? Repent for the kingdom heaven is at hand not the kingdom of heaven is going to come sometime way down the road the kingdom is now the kingdom is not merely a future kingdom though its fullness is not yet seen we're we're not living in the, the, the fullness of the culmination of his kingdom 
But Jesus' kingdom is now. He, we're, we are in His kingdom. It is a kingdom that is now established and Christ is reigning over it. And in this kingdom, Christ has established His sons. I'm just using that language because it's the language He uses. He's, he's established His children of the kingdom here in His kingdom. And Jesus is the good farmer who plants good seed and will keep His crop. He has established those who are His to be in His kingdom. And yet we see a, a simultaneous yet seeming, a, not opposed, but a tension also in this. And that is this, that while the kingdom is at hand, and, and Jesus has established those who are the children of His kingdom in His kingdom, as of now, and in our current setting, the children of the kingdom do not exist in isolation. Meaning, um, the children of the kingdom don't find themselves only existing around children of the kingdom. In this current world, the children of the kingdom live among the children of the evil one. And while this is not an imp a, a direct teaching of the text, I do think it's an implication and one that's vital for us to understand, especially as we think through the text and we think of how to live as the sons of the kingdom. Not just in this text, but it's clear in this text and it's clear throughout the rest of the text, or the rest of Scripture, I would argue. One of the implications we see in this is the reality that not everyone is a child of God. And I want to I say that and I want to emphasize that and I want to press that out a little bit because I see it. I see the mindset that, well, we're all God's children so common among the professing church. So common among those who profess the name of Christ, this reality that, well, we're all God's children. I was even, I was sent a Instagram thing this week by um, someone and it was, hey, want to get your thoughts on this. And it was dealing with the moral issues of the world. The, 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 the premise of the, the, the post is, in a sense, irrelevant. But the, the main whole argument on it was, well, we're all God's children, and so we need to show grace and love to everyone. And I see that mindset all throughout social media posts and all throughout teachings and all throughout all these things of, well, we're all God's children. The Bible makes clear distinction that indeed we're not all God's children. We're all created by God. And we all bear the image of God. Because it, 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 as we can in a fallen world... But we are not all the children of God. The Scriptures make this very clear. In John 8, 42 and 44, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees actually says, You are of your father the devil. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, that Those who did believe, He gave rights to be called the children of God. In 1 John chapter 5, it says, um, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know the love of the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For, it goes on in verse 4, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Um, earlier in 1 John chapter 3, 
John, speaking of those who are the children of God and those who are not, says everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning, and no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteous is righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared is to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Jesus in this parable, and we see again throughout the rest of Scripture, Jesus in this parable is teaching that there is a clear distinction between those who are the children of God and those who are not. Adam made reference earlier in our time of confession. There's two options here. You're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. And I know in our day and age to call someone a child of the devil was, I'm sure, probably considered hate speech in some capacity or the other. But the scriptures make it clear. Those are the two options we have. There are the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the evil one. There are the children of God and the children of the devil. And let's be clear here. Um, 1 John 5, 1 says it. John chapter 1, verse 12 says it. That the sons of the kingdom, the children of God, are not so because we are better than the ones who are not. We're children of the kingdom because we've been adopted in through faith. We have been made righteous. We have been adopted in. We have been declared children of the kingdom through faith and through the righteousness of Christ. But yet it is important because this, this parable would make no sense if that wasn't a distinction. So we see that the children of the kingdom, there's a distinction between them and the children who are not of the kingdom. But the parable also makes it clear, and, and Jesus in his teaching makes it clear, that at times these seeds, these children, can be indistinguishable. Again, if you notice in the parable... Look at verse um, 6, or verse 26. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. Up until this point, it seems that the servants and, and no one else walking by the field would have noticed, wait, there's mi weeds mixed in with the wheat. It wasn't until it matured and bore grain. And then they noticed this isn't the right plant. Right? So there may be times that there, and there may be seasons of, of people's lives where these seeds can be indistinguishable. But as one matures and grows and produces, the parable is teaching it becomes clear who are those who are of the kingdom and who are those who are not. Times we cannot distinguish by mere appearances of who is who. So in this, the church should not be surprised that while this current world exists, that we will not exist in a sinless world. The church should not be surprised when we find ourselves in the context where it seems as if we're in the midst of the weeds. 
Again, I'm just using, trying to, to tie back into the parable here. We're, we, we shouldn't be surprised by the reality that we find ourselves as the children of the kingdom interspersed among those who are not. We will face temptation, face persecution, face hardship as we find ourselves planted alongside those who are not the kingdom, not children of the kingdom. And yet, it's also important for us to see in that reality, we will find ourselves in the midst of that, that struggle, but yet we're, we're not called as the servants of the kingdom to go and uproot the wheat, or to uproot the weeds. We're not called to unplant them. Because in doing so, we may actually damage some that are wheat. And here's what I, here's what I think the parable is getting at here and what I want us to see. Now, this doesn't mean that in, in the midst of being children of the kingdom, finding ourselves inter, intertwined with those who are not of the kingdom, that we don't call out sin. It doesn't mean that we don't call to repent. It doesn't mean that we don't stand for truth and righteousness. In fact, we're called to do those things. We're called to call out sin. We're called to call to repentance. We're called to stand firm. What it does mean is we're not called to be the ones who... Do away with the, the weeds right now. We, we see this throughout church history with the, the crusades or the, the, the burning of heretics or the burning of witches or whatever else it may be where we have sought to do away with the weeds ourselves. That's not our call. For indeed, um, to quote Augustine, those who are weeds today may be wheat tomorrow. We don't know the fullness of those things. We are not called. We are called to stand for truth. We are called to call to repent. We are called to call out evil and sin. It is not our job to pull the weeds out of the kingdom. We are called to be faithful. We're called to be those who are the children of the kingdom. But we're not called to weed the garden in this way. Because another truth we see in the midst of this parable is a day is coming when the weeds will be dealt with. And they will be dealt with rightly and justly. We see the reality that a judgment is coming. And Jesus speaks of it in terms of a harvest. Um, this language would be common. We see it in, in Joel and other um, Old Testament prophets, but if you go to Revelation chapter 14, verse 14 through 20, this idea of a harvest is even spoken of here of the last day, which would have been what Joel and others would have been spoken of, of, of Yom Yahweh, the day of the Lord. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like the Son of Man, with a golden crown on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, and the angel who has authority over the fire, and he called out with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, Put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth. 
for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city and the blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. So Jesus, speaking of the idea of a harvest pointing to the day of judgment, is not uncommon in Scripture. We see, again, it pointed to in Revelation 14, the reality that this harvest of the world is coming. And Jesus has shown us that His kingdom is established, that the sons of the kingdom will be mixed in at times with the sons of the evil one. But yet Jesus teaches the day is coming when the harvest will happen. And the weeds will be gathered out and thrown into the fiery furnace. And the wheat will be gathered into the barn. Jesus in His explanation speaks of this as um, the angels will come. Again, we see Revelation 14. And they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We see the reality that Jesus will on that day once for all, remove the weeds from the field. Remove the enemies from the kingdom. Again, we started today in Psalm 2. Where these weeds, these sons of the evil ones, seek to usurp the kingdom of the one who sits on the throne. And yet he laughs for he knows the day is coming. And they will be no more. They will be thrown into outer darkness for eternal judgment and that His reign and rule will have no end. And Jesus teaching the same thing here. The day is coming when those who are of the evil one will be dealt with rightly. And we who are His own will shine like the sun of the kingdom of the Father. Jesus has shown and established to us this reality. That He has established His kingdom. He has established those who were His in His kingdom. And the day is coming when He will cast away those who are not of His kingdom. And these truths have, while they are pointing to a future day in terms of the judgment, and certain aspects of it are pointing to now where we find ourselves in the midst of the weeds. There are certain things that I think this, this parable and the teaching of it necessarily calls us to. First to the unbeliever, to the one who's not of the kingdom, the one who's not trusting in Christ. Um, those who are not of the kingdom may at times find themselves in the midst of the kingdom, the children of the kingdom, and they can convince themselves they're okay because they find themselves in the midst of the children of the kingdom. 
And they tell themselves all is going well, for nothing has been happened, no one seeking to pluck them out of the field. However, the warning is given. The day is coming when those who are not of the kingdom will be plucked out. Understand the reality. There is no neutral ground when it comes to the kingdom of God. You are a child of the king or you're a child of the enemy. You're a son of God or you're a son of the devil. There's two options. You either for him or against him, as we saw in our confession. There is no neutral ground in this. And while at times we may find ourselves, or you may find yourself as one who is not in Christ, yet thinking you're okay because you find yourself in the midst of those who are in Christ and everything is fine and dandy, understand judgment is coming. The day of harvest is coming. Revelation 14 will come to pass and the angel will swing the sickle. And the winepress of God's wrath will be poured out. While you may be going along through life presuming upon the kindness of God and taking that to mean you're okay, a day is coming when you will stand before the God of this kingdom and will be cast away from Him. Romans 2 points to this truth of those who are presuming upon the kindness of God. And yet Paul says that the kindness of God is meant to lead us to repentance. Um, hear me, one who is not in Christ. If you're here today and the Lord has convicted you in these things and you find yourself in the midst of that and you've been telling yourself you're okay and you've been telling yourself that nothing's gone wrong, He hasn't struck you down, you must be fine. The kindness of the Lord is here to bring you to repentance. The day is coming when those who are not of the kingdom will be cast away. But today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. But to the saints, to those who are the wheat, those who are the children of the kingdom, there's implications that we should have and, and it affects the way we view life as we seek to live among God's kingdom now. One, we shouldn't be surprised when we find ourselves in the midst of sinful people. And I don't mean sinful like, oh yeah, we're all sinful. I, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised when we find ourselves in the midst of those who are enemies of God. We see it all throughout our, our world now. We act as if it's new. It's not. But the Bible does teach it's going to go from bad to worse. We see all around us and we somehow act surprised when weeds began to mature and produce weedy grain and weedy fruit. We should not be surprised when we find ourselves in the midst of those who are not of the kingdom, living as those who are not of the kingdom. should not cause us to question or doubt whether the kingdom is here. It should not cause us to question or doubt whether the king sits on the throne. For Jesus has told us, indeed, this is how it would be until that day. And in that, we are called to be strengthened as we are reminded that the day of judgment is coming. 
as we look at this world around us and we look at the weeds producing things of, of the sons of the evil one. Be encouraged and strengthened as we remember the day of the harvest is coming. When injustice will be dealt with justly. When rebellion to the things of God will be judged rightly. And when all causes of sin and lawbreakers will be removed and those who are His will shine like the sun in His righteousness. Let us not grow discouraged as we seek to live in His kingdom now. Let us not grow discouraged as we find ourselves in the midst of a sinful people, in the midst of enemies of God doing things that the enemies of God do. But let us constantly, every week we come to the table, and every week we end the table with practically the same words of Jesus. And I will not drink of the fruit of this vine again until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. I hope that's not lost on you. Because every week we come in here and yes, we remember what He did and we also look ahead to what He's going to do. The day is coming when those who are His will be with Him. So let us be encouraged and hold fast to our confession and our purity of life. Let us rest in this when we see what seems to be sin and injustice going overlooked in this present age. And let us seek to be faithful. And let us hold fast to this. Jesus is the good master of the good field who has planted good seed and he will not lose his crop. Though we find ourselves in the midst of the weeds, he will not lose those who are his own. So let us look ahead to that day. And in that, let us walk in purity and holiness as sons of the kingdom. If you would turn to 1 John chapter 3. We've looked to the reality that the day of judgment is coming. We've looked to the reality that in that the sons of the kingdom will shine like the sun and the righteousness of the kingdom. Go to 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not, been, not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. Pointing to that truth of what Jesus said, that the righteous will shine like the sun. But then listen what John says next and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure as those who are the children of the kingdom who long for and yearn for and believe with great confidence that the day of the Lord is coming 
The day when sin will be no more and we will shine in the righteousness of the King. Let us therefore purify ourselves as He is pure. As children of the kingdom, as the good seed who has been planted in the field, as those who long for the day when we will be with Him and like Him. Let's walk in holiness. Let's grow in holiness. Let's encourage one another to do the same. And a last point of call for all of us. In the midst of this parable, again, we didn't really reference the parable of the net, but it's pointing to the same thing. In the midst of these two parables with this things of like but unlike being mixed together that at times can be indistinguishable in the day coming when they will be separated. I think without a doubt there's an immediate call to examine ourselves and make our calling and election sure. Are we those who are of the kingdom? Are we those who are trusting in Christ? And I don't want to preach Adam's sermon for next week, but I, I do think there's worth pointing to the parable of the weeds and the parable of the net are bookends to these other ones where there's this permeating effect of the kingdom and then this parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great value where these two forsake everything because they see the value of the kingdom. I think there's a great pointing there as we seek to examine ourselves. As we seek to be faithful as those who are the children of the kingdom. I think one of the things we are to, to see in us is, is there a treasuring of the kingdom? Is there a treasuring of the king? Is there a love for him? Let us be faithful as children of the king. Let us be faithful as children of the kingdom. Let us be those who are not surprised when we see evil among us. Let us be those who with unshakable confidence rest in the reality of the day of the Lord that is coming. And let us in light of that day walk in holiness and in love for the King who has saved us. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we are thankful for your word. Father, I, I pray that you would help us as those who were children of the kingdom to, one, remember how we became children of the kingdom. It was your work in us. You have adopted us. You have grafted us in. You have granted us faith and repentance. Father, may we be strengthened and reminded of the reality of that while we are of the kingdom and while your kingdom is at hand, we do not see the fullness of it yet. We still find ourselves in the midst of those who are your enemies, those who are at war against you as we once were. Father, Strengthen us through your word to not grow discouraged and faint in these things. Keep ever before us today 
of your return. Father, may we be faithful to live as children of the kingdom. May we be faithful as those who know we will shine like the sun in your righteousness. Now purify ourselves as you are pure. Would you grant us grace to grow in holiness and a love and a joy and a treasuring of the kingdom. It's in Christ we pray these things. Amen.